responsibility and that's what's not being talked about. We have a responsibility as people in society, not people above society or away from society, who people are hippered in society, you know what I mean? But people in society whose job is to articulate life and to try to transform it. It's Thought Leader Thursday. Thought Leader Thursday on Metro FM Talk. It is indeed and uh, 23 minutes it is after 8pm. It's our Thought Leader Thursday segment. Tonight, my guest uh, for our Thought Leader Thursday segment and our Thought Leader is Lumea Janji, a social activist, journalist and a campaign manager at the DG Murray Trust. And uh, yeah, she joins us uh, this evening uh, to uh, talk briefly about her work, multimedia storytelling, her passion about dismantling uh, uh, narratives and uh, single story narratives in particular and uh, also uh, her work on passing on development storytelling skills to young people and uh, yeah also I guess a more recent work on uh, the stories and the journeys of South African work seekers and uh, the job of looking for a job uh, because uh, you know we're expecting this week actually that the quarterly labor force survey data would come out um, and uh, it was expected to come out Gorisbini and Stats came out and said, look, we've had some issues in collecting uh, and enumerating some of the data and uh, we will announce uh, but it will certainly tell a story that we have undoubtedly become very familiar with. More and more people opting out of the job search just because of the implications that come with that. And we're going to be talking uh, to that with Lumela in the next few minutes or so. Lumela, good evening to you. Welcome. Asquam Gelabak Metro FM Talk. Thank you so much for coming through. Thank you for having me, Gudini. So, well, let's maybe start off, I guess, just with your own background and uh, a lot of your own work, multiple mediums. Uh, you work in uh, the social justice space as well. Uh, just tell us briefly, Kubanu Shumela. Okay. Shumela, I'm He studied a Bachelor of Journalism from Rhodes University and started working as a journalist at the beginning of her career. And from my years of working as a journalist, I I think that the narrative while we were studying was that your your duty as a journalist is to be a mouthpiece and it's to give a voice to the voiceless. That's the term that they love to use. Yeah. But after working in the industry, I started realizing that these people aren't voiceless at all. It's just that we refuse to hear them. There's no sure. such thing as a voiceless person. So I started really looking at the way our media um, perpetuates the stories of people, especially people of color, people who are in under-resourced communities. How do we communicate about these people? Um, And especially because I relate to them, because I'm one of them, too. So I'm very passionate about telling the stories of those people and moving away from what I call the single-story narrative which is basically the common narrative that you see in media, that this person is poor because they chose to be poor and that they're not working hard enough. Um, It's moving away from that. It's Mm. giving people the power to tell their own story, to speak for themselves and to represent themselves the best way that they want to um, represent themselves. I mean, just just on that. Yeah, yeah, just on that. I mean, Mm. we've seen in the last month or so numerous examples of that or particular forms of narratives packaged in very mm. meaningful and intentional ways um, mm. around social assistance, for instance. I mean, this whole idea about mm. and then, you know, yeah. you're able to employ other people or take that 350, look for a job mm. and then get a job. Uh, and this narrative, I guess, often overlooks 
Um, or maybe it does two things, right? It, one, it overlooks just the cost of going and undertaking mm. the job search. And then in the second case, it, it in a sense, I guess, you know, overlooks all of the structural barriers. I mean, the fact, transport just to go and mm. get to that place, let alone the clothes, the data to get the information mm. and all of that. Exactly. And in your piece, exactly. I find it so interesting that you, you kind of get to the micro detail of that. You even cost that mm. a hot shower for you to make sure you're there, spick and span is 1.7 mm. units of electricity. Nyugirumbani, Moku, ESCOM got a 9.6% tariff hike. That's not cheap. Mm. Mm. And those are things that I didn't recognize before I was unemployed because I grew up as a middle-class child who, to be honest, was, was more privileged than others. Yeah. So I didn't, re- I didn't recognize those things. And after having that experience, I realized that this is the reality. And when you pack a story into 600 words, a new story into 600 words, and you speak to three different people, how much of that story are you really telling? How are you getting into the, the nuances of, and the difficulties that really happen to get yourself to that job interview? What happens when you mid-interview um, on a Zoom interview and you run out of data? What happens? What do you do as a young person who's looking for a job? What happens when you go onto job sites and you find that you have to fill in the same thing over and over again um, when, when the questions were asked on the previous page? So it's those kind of difficulties and barriers that make it so difficult for us as young people to make it. And I think that's why we deserve a platform to share it so that we yeah. can come up with practical solutions. Because what we're really asking for is practical solutions. And we're asking um, for, in- for innovation. Because there's been the lockdown now, there's been so many changes with the lockdown. So many, so many things mm. have moved into the technological space, yes, you know. Yes. But in high school, are they being taught how to use Zoom? Are they being taught how to use Skype, for example? Mm. Are they being taught to sell themselves digitally? You know, it's the, it's in the simple things. I have yeah. a friend who produces CVs for people, and she says it's crazy how the, the mistakes that people make are the most simplest common mistakes. You know, but our curriculums aren't addressing yeah. that at a high school level. They aren't teaching our students to be able to, to present themselves and sell themselves in a way that can give them the jobs. It's not that they're unable to or they're not qualified mm. to. It's just that they don't have the skills to present yeah. themselves ade- adequately. And so I guess, really, Kumela, I mean... That's what we need. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we go to school for 12 years, right? We go to school for 12 years, we clap at the end of matric, can't fill out an invoice mm. can't grow your own food can't you know uh, go out and effectively file a tax return all of the things I guess which are practical things right um, that are needed yeah. can't put together a CV to go and you know market yourself for a particular job but also I think the other thing that uh, to your point and as much as mm. there's a transition to more digital platforms we kind mm. of also have to talk about how costly paper-based applications are. I mean, if you think about yeah. the programs, uh, mm. you need to first go and get copies done. Malay. You need to mm. go and get certified. office. <laughs> Wait there for a while. Get a stamp. Get on another taxi. Mm. Let alone all of the data. And it just seems to me that all of the touch points in that process that could potentially be free you know, free Wi-Fi mm. hotspots, free bus services, free taxi rides, if at least you can show mm. back. I'm a young work seeker or whatever, I'm under the age of 29. Uh, all of those mm. touch points, we never think about. Like, it's always just about like, 350, 
but we don't think about actually let 350 how do you make sure that that 350 is your money and all the other stuff mm. effectively mm. you get for free mm. definitely yeah and that's also why we need more zero rated websites because True, honestly yeah. the, the the cost of data is just growing and growing and growing and more opportunities are online how are we going to afford the data to do that that's why i i try to find um pages on facebook because i i noticed when i was when i was unemployed that there are actually people, and they're not even um, company pages. They are people who are doing this from the kindness of of, of their hearts and posting jobs on these Facebook pages, yes. like my friend Esit and my child, which is so useful because as a job seeker, sometimes I need that to go and and look into into LinkedIn, you and even with Nandita Chayo, um, it's so limiting because sometimes you find that. Is supposed to advertise and then Mafunyele Henda in in person at the building. How is this possible in 2021? Like there's people all across the country applying for jobs that you want to to come into your office. It's my transport, to get there. You know, so there's just so many barriers and it's it's challenging as a young person and it's also just. It's defeating because you you study so hard. It's not easy attaining a qualification, mm. and you, you you become so specialized in whatever you're studying, and then you get to the job market. And it's not that you're not willing to learn or diversify your skill set, but then you find that cookie roles that are advertised could combine roles with two or three into one, and that's a barrier for you as a graduate. Let's say, for example, I studied a, um, a journalism degree. But I found that so many um, roles in communications or journalism, that I don't have the skill set for. And then it's like, okay, what do I do now? Because I've spent four years of my life trying to be this good journalist so that I could be employed as a journalist. But then when I get an apply for jobs, I'm being asked to be as good of a journalist as I am good at IT and, and web development which is something I'm very limited in. So it's frustrating as young people, and we honestly feel that we're not being heard. Um, we're made to feel that we're the generation that's always complaining. Mm. Millennials are always complaining. Gen Zs are always complaining. But it's, it's, it's like there's these systemic chokeholds that, that um, prohibit us from yeah. succeeding. And we, and we need to be heard. They need to listen to us to help us resolve like to find solutions. In your piece, you, you start, I guess, on that path of suggesting a few solutions um, mm. which can draw in a few stakeholders, both in government and, I guess, even in the private sector insofar as employers themselves are concerned. Talk us through some mm. of them. Mm. So basically what I did was I divided it into three. I gave solutions to employers. I gave solutions to our and I gave solutions to um, young job seekers. And initially, I didn't want to give solutions to young job seekers because I know that every single job seeker has heard what I have probably said in that article. Because the moment you start looking for jobs, you are just flooded with articles telling you how to be this perfect candidate. And in a, in, in a way, it kind of messes with your psyche because you start to think that you're not adequate. You're the but problem, the real yeah. problem is that there aren't enough jobs mm. to apply for. Um, so I really wanted to address and the, the young job seekers, as well as our state, and as well as our, our, our employers. So I've, I've named a couple of solutions in there. 
such as we need the high school curriculum to incorporate um, a more digital-focused approach to job seeking. We need them to teach people how to make use of emails. We need to teach um, young people how to how to use Zoom and Skype. Um, I've I've let young people know about different NGOs that work with them that post job opportunities that post inspiring content that they can use for inspiration um, to, to to present themselves, that teach them, that hold CV writing workshops, um, offer later workshops, you know, that basically commit them to opportunities. And I've spoken to our employers who I feel aren't working with the education sector, who aren't working in realizing that most of the degrees are very specialized and you need to be accommodative of that. And you need to, I feel that some of the expectations, especially for entry-level roles, are so high and it's, it's kind of impossible for you to even get your foot in the door. So I would really love them to consider more of job shadow work, um, experience that's not necessarily formal but still mm. could be very useful to you as a company um, because there are students who are willingly doing this some as part of their curriculum and some because they want to learn the skills. So it's something that should be considered volunteer work, job shadowing. We don't only have to take into consideration the formal experience that young people have. Um, and yeah, and I've spoken to young people about taking the job seeking process as an opportunity to learn. Um, I know that it gets tiring and sometimes you make silly mistakes, like not changing the, the letterhead when sending your cover letter, which I've seen now working in my position, um, that it's, it's, it's disappointing because then you feel like this candidate is not taking the role seriously. But, you know, you need to take it more seriously. When you're given a practical assessment, as much as they're tiring and they drain so much of your energy, take it as an opportunity to learn a new skill challenge yourself on something else more can you lie and then I also just spoke to our employers because I feel that there's a there's, it's a it's a trend right now that the creative um, capital of young people is being stolen by employers who ask us to do these assessments and then next thing you see them using it in campaigns a couple of months later, I've heard many examples from friends. I've seen many examples on social media of people saying that their concepts were stolen from them, but they were denied of the opportunity, but they weren't compensated for for some of the ideas and the creative um, solutions that they came up with. So if you're going to make us do the practical assessments, then you need to have the policies to ensure that we're doing them in an ethical way sure. so that we aren't stealing, we aren't robbing young people. Because imagine you've already been robbed of so much as a young job seeker, so much of your pride. Like the simple things, and then this is like the cherry on top of the cake. So we really need them to work with us um, to solve this issue because young people now are becoming more innovative and in finding their own means of employment. And if we aren't looking at them as our future leaders, our future workforce, then I don't know. Yes. We're going to lose the potential that's there, and there's so much potential. Yeah. There's so much potential in us. But honestly, we, the system is, is it's, it's a chokehold on us. Sumela, 
We're going to have to leave it there, mm-hmm. but uh, a pleasure okay. catching up with you and thank you very much uh, for taking time out to speak to us.